Hello, everybody. Today's episode is the common pitfalls of nonviolent communication. Every step is simple, powerful, and practical, but it's also very easy to get each step incorrect. And the funny thing about it is when you're attempting to do NVC and you get it incorrect, sometimes it explodes and can become worse. That's just part of the process. That's just like when you clean your house in the process of cleaning, it looks messier. So in the beginning of attempting to use NVC, you might do something wrong and everything goes left. And that's okay. It's part of the process. But I want to point out these um, some of the common pitfalls so that um, you can avoid them a little easier. So the first step of NVC is to point out an observable fact. One common pitfall with that is when we state our opinion as a fact. Now, the difference between an opinion and a fact is a fact is measurable, it's quantifiable, and an opinion is not. An opinion will always be an opinion and never be a fact, basically. I mean, maybe you could philosophize that in different ways, but in its core, that's what an opinion is. So, for instance, if you walk into a room and you say, wow, it's really cold in here, that's an opinion because you can't really quantify or measure what that cold means. It's just your personal choice. But if you come into a room and you say, it's 42 degrees in here, and you look at a thermometer and it's 42 degrees, that's a fact. So, yeah, that's that's one core. And another one I've used before, but I feel like it's really uh, good to, it really clarifies the situation, is if you walk into a room or your, your, your child has a messy room and you say your room is really messy, that's an opinion. Because when does it get messy? If one thing is out of place, if two things are out of place, if four things are out of place, five, ten, twelve, nobody knows because it's everybody's own opinion. But if you say the facts are, the observable facts are, the bed is unmade, there's clothes on the floor, you got electrical cords lying on and scattered around, those are all observable facts. So that's really important. When you hear someone's opinion, it's because it's an opinion and, and there's no way to prove if it's right or wrong, it can it can feel frustrating to a lot of people. When you point out a fact, it's much easier to hear. Another common uh, mistake with the first step is just to skip it. And it's okay to skip steps here and there, but you know, as you do this, it's good to hit all the steps. Things generally tend to work better. It's like it has just a flow when you when you use all the steps. So if you just go into your feelings, and why you feel the way you do in the request, you'd be skipping the first step, which is to point out what's been going on. It brings clarity to the situation. And clarity is powerful. It just feels good. Vagueness is uncomfortable, at least to me. I, I feel uncomfortable when things are vague because you're just not sure what's going on, where you stand, what the reason is. But when you bring clarity, when you use facts, it just has a real power. Another reason why you don't want to use opinions is because almost all opinions are going to imply that someone's wrong or bad. And basically, that's that's another common mistake in all the steps. You never, ever want to imply someone else is wrong or bad. If that's the only thing you do, that's a very powerful uh, technique or it's a very powerful practice. 
And it doesn't mean sugarcoating or lying or being nice. It's just this it, wrong or saying something is wrong is generally going to be an opinion. Unless you're talking about a test, unless you're talking about something with specific rules or patterns or techniques. Other than that, like when you say someone is wrong or that person is bad or that's a bad person or you are wrong for doing that, generally that's an opinion and implies they're bad or wrong. So no one likes it. People get triggered and it's good to avoid, to stick to the facts. Okay. And also, um, here's a, here's a big one. I, uh, I do this sometimes. I really try not to, but exaggeration. Don't exaggerate. You know, things like you always say that you never do this. Um, you, you said this a million times, all those things, they're not necessary. They're not helpful. They tend to trigger people and they're not factual. They're not factual statements. So stick to the facts. Leave exaggerations to the side. Another thing is not keeping it simple. It's, in my opinion, NVC works best when you keep it simple. Just use the minimal amount of information to get your point across. Because once you start going on and on, things get vague and messy. And so if you're like, instead of saying, I see that the trash has still not been taken out. You know, that'd be pointing out a fact, an observable fact. You might say, I see that the trash is, is still there. And I know you've been working hard lately. And it's, you know, there's a lot of steps. And I know it's early. And I mean, last week I forgot to do, like all this is, is, is not so wrong, but things tend to get lost. The thread gets lost. So I recommend just keeping it simple and hitting all the steps with the minimum amount of information necessary to get your point across. And that's just a good practice, uh, I believe, in nonviolent communication. Okay, those are the uh, common missteps that I can think of right now for step one. Step two, step two of nonviolent communication is to express how you authentically feel. Now, there's a few uh, ways to get this one wrong. One is to use a feeling that's not a feeling. Now, a feeling is usually one word, and it does not imply anything has been done to you. It does not imply that someone else is bad or wrong. So an example of that is to, if I say, uh, so a, a, an example of a feeling is I feel angry. I feel sad. I feel confused. I feel furious. I feel frustrated. Um, an example of a feeling that is not a feeling is I feel abused. I feel disrespected. I feel cheated. So why those are not feelings is because they imply something has been done to you by someone else. Those are actually perceptions. I feel cheated is a perception that you cheated me. But that's hard to quantify. It's hard to qualify. It's not a real feeling. I feel angry because you said this was going to happen and then this happened. Right? That, that would be a more accurate way of, of explaining something. So you want to get to the core feeling, and that's going to be more effective. I feel flustered instead of I feel pressured. And, and this is common because we just don't, when you say the feeling, you don't want to imply someone else is bad or wrong. As soon as you do that, they're going to, the other person is likely to get a little triggered, a little defensive, 
communication is going to be much harder. And you're still being accurate. You still, like the beauty of MVC is you get to accurately express how you genuinely feel. And it feels to me very rewarding to honestly express myself. I know that a lot of times, and this includes me, we we tend to want to avoid conflict because we don't know how to express things without getting into an argument or hurting feelings or getting into fights. And just because you use NVC doesn't mean that's not going to happen, but it's going to lower those chances a lot. And it's by little things like this. Don't use feelings that are not feelings. So a good test is if, if you can feel, if you cannot, if the word you're using for a feeling cannot be felt alone on a desert island, then it's probably not a feeling. Can you feel cheated on a desert island? Maybe if you stretch it, but basically you can't. Can you feel bamboozled? Can you feel abused? Can you feel, it's all, all that is going to apply something else. But on a desert island, you can't feel sad, angry, happy, furious, flustered, fearful. Another classic mistake on the second step of NVC is instead of saying a feeling, instead of saying, I feel sad. No, no. Instead of saying, I feel lonely, you say, I feel as if you're never around. Or I feel like you are avoiding me. Now, I feel like you are avoiding me. I feel like you're never around. Those are not feelings. Those are judgments, evaluations, perceptions. And they, they imply something someone else is, is bad or wrong. And they also imply that you are a victim to their wrongness. That's likely to trigger, likely to create disconnection. You just want to, instead of saying, I feel as if you never listen, you would say, might say something like, I feel sad because I would like to have a connected conversation with you. I feel sad because I would like more connection with you. You know, instead of saying, I feel like you're never around, you might say, I feel lonely because I want to spend more time with you. Right? There's no, there's no implying that someone else is wrong or bad. And that's key. And it happens a lot. People say this a lot. So that's, that's one of the things why I love NVC and why it's a bit of a challenge. It does take a rewiring of your brain and how you communicate. And it takes a lot of presence to notice these little idioms and ways of speaking that are very common. Another uh, common misstep is to um, sugarcoat how we feel. So if we're really angry, instead of saying, I feel very angry, I feel furious, we say, I feel slightly irritated. And the thing is, when you are... When you express how you honestly feel, generally the other person will feel that. It'll resonate. When you speak authentically, when you express yourself authentically, it resonates and it builds connection. It's a vulnerable thing. It's a vulnerable act. So, And sugarcoating it or disguising things does the opposite. So we have a lot of, we take in a lot of information that's nonverbal, you know, through tone and, and body language and a lot of we receive information from each other in a lot of ways. And so in my opinion, I think most of us know when someone's being honest or not honest, especially with how they feel. Congruency is powerful. So I really recommend being as honest as you can with how you feel. And it can be helpful to learn or study like vocabulary of feelings. Okay, so moving on to the third step. Step three is to explain why you feel how you do. What is the value? What is the need? What is your desire? What is your preference? 
And this is a very important step. It builds connection. It builds understanding. It builds empathy. Gives them a chance to understand where you're coming from. And I find this one personally a bit challenging to always be on top of. Sometimes I'll just get annoyed really fast and I won't even really know why I'm annoyed. Like I won't really, because, you know, on the surface, I'm annoyed because of something someone else did. But that's, we all know that's not the truth. And if you've been listening to this podcast, at least, I feel the way I do because of my own value system. I don't feel the way I do because of something that was done to me. So if someone speaks to me in a way that I don't like, I'm not upset because of how they spoke to me. I'm upset because I have a preference that says I don't like to be spoken in the way that way. I might it, it depends on the day too. I might think it's funny. Someone if someone walks up to me is very rude. Some days I might just think that's funny. Some days I might get annoyed. Some days I might get angry. It all depends on how I'm feeling that day. What's important to me in that moment. My my perceptions of them, my perceptions of their relationship, it's all really, it all starts with me. And if I shift my perceptions and thoughts, I will shift my feelings about the situation. That's why we are always responsible for how we feel. Oh, let me backtrack a little bit on the other, on another very common mistake in step two is to, instead of saying, I feel sad, we say things like, it makes me sad. So when you talk to me that, when, when you said this statement to me, it made me sad. You don't want to do that because that implies they are responsible for how you feel. And that's, again, going to blame them, implying they're wrong and bad, and you're a victim. It's very important. It's very easy to get that wrong. It's subtle, but very, very powerful. Okay, so back to step three. A common misstep in step three is just to skip this step altogether, just to, just to go to fact, feeling, and specific request, which can work. It's not like that'll never work. But it's it's gonna be you're gonna be more effective if you throw this third step in, you know. Just let them know why you feel the way you do without blaming them. That's crucial. Do not blame them. Take responsibility for how you feel. That's okay. And then the next step, you get to draw your boundary, make your request. So another challenge with this step is to, you know, it's easy to start blaming them a little bit when you're doing the third step. You don't want to use the word you now that's not a concrete rule but it's kind of a good policy when you say when you're stating why you feel the way you do you want to just bring it to yourself it's always coming back to you or your value i'm angry because i value this i'm angry because i prefer this i'm angry because this is important to me you don't want to you don't want to say i'm angry because you have done this this or this anytime you're going to say i'm angry because you Pretty much what follows is going to be a judgment, a blame, something like that. So it's always, I'm angry because I, I'm sad because I would like more connection. Would I'm sad because I really wanted to take that trip with you. Whatever it is, always comes back to I instead of you. So that's a good, I never, that's a good, uh, that's a good policy for step three. Just, it starts with I, I'm angry because I. And step four, common mistakes with step four, is you want to, so step four is a specific request. It's where you get to create a boundary or attempt to create a boundary to get your needs met. Beautiful, powerful step. And one of the most common mistakes is to make a request that is vague. A vague request would be, would you be willing to be more respectful? You can't measure that. You can't quantify it. It's hard to tell if they are more respectful, less respectful, the same amount of respectful. But you could say, would you be willing to not say swear words around me or the children or indoors? 
That's specific. It's doable. That's another thing. You want to make sure your request is doable. It's an achievable. It's not unrealistic. It's not really realistic to act to ask someone who's um, deep, like a daily drinker of alcohol who gets drunk daily, and maybe someone call him an alcoholic. I don't know if there's a clinical definition of that, but to ask someone who drinks, to ask an alcoholic to quit drinking is not really realistic. But you can ask an alcoholic to go to an AA meeting, to see a counselor, to read a book. Those are specific and doable. To ask someone to never lose their temper anymore, it's just not realistic. I mean, we might want to do that, but that's just not how life works. So again, you can ask them to go see a therapist, to read a book, things like that. It just needs to be specific and doable and, and realistic. Like you can't ask someone to never forget something. Will you promise to never forget this again? Like we can't promise the future. Would you promise to never lie again? I mean, you know, NVC, it's not, it's not always super black and white. There's definitely some gray areas, but you just want to stick to the major principles. So when you make your request, really attempt to make it doable, achievable, and realistic. Okay. Another common um, challenge with the fourth step is making your requests demands. The only difference between a request and a demand is a request can be refused without repercussion. And a demand cannot. If someone refuses your request and you get angry, you lash out, you attack, you threaten, then it was a demand, no matter how it was worded. And a lot of times we don't want to ask requests when we know their demands because we know we're scared of them refusing because we're scared of the fight or the reaction after. But if you always stay open, if you make a request, it gets refused. You make another request, it gets refused. Then your third request might be, okay, do you have any ideas? And it's just, you're just opening a dialogue. That's what, the, that's what the goal is. The goal is to get the conflict resolved and, and your needs or desires met. But it doesn't have to be necessarily in the way that, the exact way that you suggest. As long as your needs are met, that should be, should be great. You know, we're always looking for a win-win. So those are some uh, basic missteps that are beneficial to avoid. And emergency empathy, guessing how someone feels and why. One common mistake is to, instead of guessing, we tell them. Instead of saying, are you upset because you think I did that on purpose? You might say, well, you might say, clearly you're upset. Ooh, nobody wants to hear that clearly you're a feeling. It just doesn't feel good to most people. It just puts them in a box. Clearly you're upset because you think I did that on purpose. I know that when someone says that to me, I don't like it. But if someone says, are you upset because blah, blah, blah. It just feels much better. So you want to ask instead of tell. If you're telling them, it's like you're the expert of how they feel. If you're asking, they're the expert, which they really are the expert. So it's more authentic. Also, when you're doing emergency empathy, you want to use actual feelings. So are you angry because of the way I just spoke to you? Are you angry because of the tone I just used? Instead of, are you feeling disrespected because of the tone I just used? Now, this is not a hardcore thing, but... It's just going to be much cleaner if you use feelings. Things get confusing. Like with words, things can get very confusing very fast. So that's why with NVC, it's just good to keep it simple and to stick to the core feelings. I just recommend it. It's just going to be more beneficial in the long run. Another common mistake with emergency empathy is worrying about getting it right the first time. You do just want to do it 
correctly without using any judgments or implying wrongdoing or, or belittling. Just use real feelings and really attempt to understand how they feel and why they feel the way they do. But you don't have to get it correct. They'll give you the information. So, And a lot of times, you know, it might feel awkward. Just push through. NBC, it, it can become second nature after a while. In the beginning, it'll probably, probably be a little clunky, but that's okay. I recommend just, just moving through it. So just don't, when you're doing emergency empathy, just don't worry about getting it correct the first time. Um, just keep going. And you'll know when you get it correct. You'll feel it. It'll resonate. And if it doesn't resonate, you probably haven't really hit the core issue. If something happens when, when you hit, like, when you really identify how someone feels and why. So that's another common mistake is just to identify how they feel but not why. It's the combo that you want. The combo is powerful when you really focus on how they feel and why. And when someone who's angry and, and sometimes like when we're angry and upset, we don't know why. We just know how we feel. And if someone else can ask us and really pinpoint it, it's that awareness, that clarity is kind of healing. And it generally you can feel it. So if you don't feel that resonance, even if they're like, yeah, that's it, but nothing feels changed, it's prob- probably not it. I, w- I would suggest going a little deeper. Okay, so that's the podcast for today. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. I'm offering a new service. I'm calling it NVC Lens. So you can send me, if you have a message that you're sending and it's you know a tricky situation and you want to make sure you're using proper NVC, you can send me an email at artofnvc at gmail.com. I will be charging $20 per message. And it could be a letter, a text, um, or, you know, just something you're going to say to somebody, but obviously you have to uh, give it to me in text form, or you can give it to me in audio message. And I will send you a message back and, you know, giving you an NVC perspective on it. You can... So the way it'll work is you can send me the email with the message and uh, you can send me $20 payment at the art of NVC at gmail.com uh, through PayPal. I also have other options, you know, um, Venmo and Cash App. But so in your email, if you don't have PayPal, you can just let me know that we can figure out the details. But yeah, my book is available, The Art of Nonviolent Communication on Amazon. And I have a website, artofnvc.com. Instagram, Art of NVC, and Facebook. I have a new Facebook group that I'm learning how to facilitate. So you feel free to ask questions there as well. And uh, thank you for joining. Good luck for your good luck on your NV.